Now, the command is to do this for those who bear the name, but we are not to do this as we've seen in the previous letter that John wrote. If you'll remember with me briefly, 2 John 10-11, through 11, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. If you missed that sermon, I would encourage you to go back on our podcast and, and listen to some of the unique and important clarities there that, uh, that we bring forth from that text. But what this means, church, then, is we must have discernment. We are to discern who is truly a committed disciple of Christ. And if confirmed that they belong to the mission of the true gospel, we are to love them as much as we love our favorite and closest brothers and sisters in Christ. For we are one with them in Christ. I mentioned using discernment. This must be a God-given, Holy Spirit-empowered, biblical discernment, and not just a gut feeling or a hunch. God-given discernment is informed by Scripture. And it's important to put to work in this world that we live in because sadly there are many deceivers, many wolves in sheep clothing who are out to try to make a buck who are ultimately serving or perpetuating false gospels. The warnings were given in Holy Scripture are plenty of this very thing. Galatians 1.8 Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Matthew 23.15 Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. There you go. You see the traveling message. You see what looks like good missionary work, and it's not. 2 Corinthians 11.4 For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. 2 Peter 2.1, But false prophets also arose from among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing up themselves swift destruction. Jude 4, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God, into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Church, just because someone approaches you or comes to your door espousing that they belong to Jesus doesn't mean they hold the true gospel or, the author or hold to the authority of God's word alone. There are many deceivers who are ignorant or intentionally perverting the gospel and speaking what is not true. These are those that we are not to partner with, not to support them, not to show them hospitality and bring them in, for they work against the mission that Christ has given us. What is that mission? That we go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Church discernment is so important. I remember the early stages of our Reformation as a church. People would say, it feels like we're being too picky about this or that. And thankfully, many of those same people now see the fruit of what good biblical discernment produced and are now very grateful for shepherds who fought for biblical clarity and obedience despite what we felt might have been uncomfortable or even not known back in the day. Church, our discernment doesn't end now that we've landed with a, a faithful statement of beliefs and conviction to worship the Lord and, and serve the Lord according to Scripture alone. Taking, We must take our time to vet books that we might read, curriculum that we would teach to our children, shows that we might watch, music that we would choose to listen to, and we must take time to get to know a missionary or a traveling evangelist or a preacher to confirm that they indeed are testifying the true gospel of Jesus Christ and the holy word of God. This is a very important discipline. Why? Because the enemy is coming at us from all directions with slight distortions that lead to great error. Gaius used Holy Spirit and power discernment to properly determine that these traveling missionaries were indeed brothers in Christ. And then he put the commands of God to work by sacrificially supporting them and loving them in the name of Christ. This was the testimony that John received from them about Gaius. Look with me at an important detail that John reveals in verse 6, reading 5 and 6 together. <clears throat> Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all of your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. What is the love that Gaius showed them? First, his love was not just words. It was actions. This is what John has been driving home throughout these letters. It, again, if you're just joining us, go back to the beginning. Start with the first sermon of the first letter and see just how major the Lord's teaching of our love is in these letters. It is truly one of the high places in Holy Scripture where the love of the Lord at work in His people is so majored on. And here is a sweet testimony as we begin to wind down, down these letters of a brother who did this well. Our love cannot just be words. It must reveal itself in action. Our love is to have feet. It's to go to work. Remember with me John's emphasis in his first letter, 1 John 3, 17 and 18. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Most simply and practically, John is saying, if you have the means and opportunity and selfishly refuse to help a brother who is in need, the love of God doesn't abide in you. 
The opposite way to consider this is if God's love abides in you, then you are propelled, compelled to act in love towards your brethren. Church, we must show true and sacrificial love to those who belong to Christ. It is a generous love. It's not a leftover love. That's not what we're modeled in Scripture. I've asked often, how do you know that the love you're showing is generous? And a simple way to evaluate that is that it costs you something. You're giving up something that you enjoy or have become accustomed to, to generously love and support another. It is generous like the love that God showed us when he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Romans 8, 32. What does generous love look like? 1 Timothy 6, 18. We are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. In, in teaching you in different forms, I've encouraged you to, in good budgeting practices, to be setting aside funds that's ready to share. That when a person comes to the door and has a need, that you don't say, sorry, we spent all of our money this month. I have nothing ready for you. And so they've got to go to the heathen's house next door. And therefore the gospel is not shared. It's not testified because we consumed it all. But instead, no, I'm setting something aside. I'm preparing. I'm, I'm ready to say yes. I want to help. I want to be involved. Ready to share. The early disciples modeled this well for us, church. Acts 2, 44-45, And all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They were selling possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. See with me the love of God at work and their sacrificial love for one another. They took the goods they had. They took the opportunity to be a blessing to others, and they did it. They really loved them. Sacrificial love, it cost us something. Changes the way we live. We feel it. Our love at work will have a testimony attached to it that points to the glory of God. Just like the testimony that John received from those that Gaius loved well. 3 John 5 and 6, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do. And all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. Now in the second part of verse 6, John turns from celebrating Gaius' faithful and sacrificial practice of loving the missionaries of the gospel towards now commending him, and therefore us, who are the church, who belong to Christ, to do the same in the future. Here's an example of a brother who did this well. Keep doing this moving forward, for it's fundamental to our very being here. Look with me at the second part of verse 6. He says, You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. In other words, this is not just a one-time effort. It's not a box we check and say, I did it. I did my duty. No, it's a faithful practice of the body of Christ to support gospel missionaries as long as there are people whom God is saving around the world until he comes again and all of his elect are saved. It's an important part of our testimony and ministry as a church. 
While not all of us are called to give up our lives, to go on the road to share the gospel, it, it doesn't mean that we don't have an important role to play, all of us, in advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Christian, make it personal today for you. How are you doing this for those who are going out? And is what you're doing in a manner worthy of God? It needs to be. I think for some of us today, there is a part of Christianity that the Lord is going to wake us up to. Maybe we've heard it before. Maybe we've heard it from a different angle, but there is an active participation here that we don't slide over to a department in the church and say, hey, there are people in our church who do that. No, this is for all of us. We are to have a hand in this. It needs to be a priority. Problem is, it's an often forgotten priority for New Covenant Christians. But it's one we can't afford to skip out on, church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Look at what John says next. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. One of the reasons why the saints, the church, all of us, are commended to send and support missionaries for the advancement of the gospel around the world is because they are not to be supported by secular agencies. The commission of making disciples under the nations is not given to our government or the state or secular enterprises or entrepreneurs. It is given to the church. It's given to us. Therefore, we must support the mission because those opposed to Christ will not. Nor should missionaries look to pagans for their support. This is John's point. They have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. God ordained the support of Christian missionaries comes from his people and not the world. God is good. Amen? Our brother Scott taught us well this last Wednesday at our midweek gathering. God loves his blood-bought children. He will give us all that we need. We need to walk by faith, church, in him. And not look to worldly institutions to carry us. This is why your elders, whether you know it or not, did not apply for any of the generous financial grants or handouts that the government offered during the COVID crisis. I mean, it was pressed hard. There's a lot of money here to be had for your organization. We didn't want to be indebted to the government. We wanted to trust God to provide us what we would need in a tough time, and he did. We didn't need to be greedy for more than God was providing for us. We needed to be faithful and honor the Lord and be content with what he provided through the faithful giving of his people. We've always counseled you. Your giving 
is based on the income God's given you. It's not based on the performance of the church. It's not based on how many services you're utilizing. Well, in this season we were involved in eight things. Now we're only involved in three, so we're going to give a little less. It's not based on that. Your giving is your worshipful response and gratitude and honoring the Lord with whatever income He's given you. And when that income grows, the giving goes up. And when it, go, when it goes down, then the giving goes down. It is, it is a response to God's provision. And it was really interesting, even in COVID times, to hear about churches whose giving nosedived. And I always wondered that. There's a lot of Christians who think about giving the wrong way. They think about it as a, a give and take for goods and services. And so when the church is doing less for me, then I give them less. And that's not why we give, Christian. We give based on the income he's providing us. Praise God that the majority of this body understood that and our giving thrived through really hard times of COVID as the Lord provided income for you through that time. Therefore, we had all we needed. Right? It's the same for the missionaries of the gospel. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ who are doing a most essential work in the world. The hope of the world, church, is not governments. It's not in prosperity. It's not in temporary freedoms. The hope of the world is in Christ alone. Amen? He is the one who sets the dead and condemned souls free from their bondage unto eternal life. Look more closely at verse 7. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. For the sake of the name is an important term we see used in the New Testament to describe those who are on mission to testify the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to those who need to hear it. It's the name of Jesus we live for and we testify of. Philippians 2, 9-11, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We have other examples of reference to the name in famous passages like Acts 5.41. Love this passage that the faithful left the presence of the council after being severely beaten for sharing the gospel. And what does it say? They were left the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. We who belong to Christ are called to live for the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus. We are called to fulfill the great commission of our Lord. Hear it again, church. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What this means is the local church is to be about making disciples, who make disciples, some of which, some of those maturing disciples, will go out from us, and they'll be prepared and sent and supported to go to the far reaches of the globe 
to people who have never heard that gospel truth, to plant churches, Lord willing. What this means is that the church, our church, doesn't have a missions department or committee that does mission stuff for us. It means we all are focused on and involved in making disciples, some of which who will go and be supported in their work to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. I remember sitting with another pastor in our community years ago who leads a very large church and shared with me candidly how excited he was to see our conviction and commitment to making disciples. who then go on to make disciples. He said, I'm learning from you and your church. I see this is a high and purposeful priority for your elders in the reformation and leading of this historic church in our community. This is an important testimony of who our church is. We want to major on the fulfillment of making disciples who then go on to make disciples both near and far. That's why we renamed our church Disciples Church. Because that is what God has called the church to do. Amen? And we wanted to be streamlining our focus. This is unapologetically what we're here to do. Our name originally... 1889, founding of our church, the first Baptist church of Bakersfield. will always be the first Baptist church of Bakersfield because there can be no other. Right? Unless you have a DeLorean, that, you know, it's different. This name was a statement of our missional arrival in this city 134 years ago to bring the gospel to this region of the world. And my predecessor and the leadership at the time, at the turn of the century, renamed our church Olive Drive Church. This was a name based on the street on which we centered our ministry in this city. We are no longer housed, gathering on that street. So our current leadership wanted to name our church, something that better described who we are, what we're committed to doing. Disciple-making is our God-given mission. Disciples is not just our church name. It's an identity. It's a purpose for us that honors God and is faithful to what he's commissioned us to do, to why he woke you up this morning. And if he wills it, why he'll wake you up tomorrow. Christian, do you take seriously the great commission given to us by our Lord, given to you? God has us here on this rock, living in this era that we would go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that He has commanded us. 
Slow with me. Take some honest inventory this morning. Are you fulfilling the Great Commission in your life, in your home, in this church, in this city? Might you be one of those who are discipled by us and prepared to go outside this city? and become a needed missionary who is trained and ready to take the gospel where it has not gone. To commit your life to the planting of a church where there is not one. And maybe you are thinking, well, I'm probably too old to do that. And I would say your participation in this local church, in its support, in your service, in your giving, in your being discipled and helping us make disciples is the work he calls us to do. You have a hand in this. You're not checked out of it if you're doing that properly and biblically. In the meantime, while we do not have any of this current generation who are identified as being ready to go or going or have gone we were not willing to sit on the sidelines and just wait and so we found faithful brothers and sisters who were giving up their lives to go we're blessed to know them and support them the drollards are he's an ex green beret They left their plush California lifestyle to move to a foreign country to be part of the training of those who are going around the world. They're an essential anchor in that training. He messaged me this weekend that they're excited to hopefully come see us again soon. The Dykes. This is a recent picture of them in the foreign country that they're in around the world to bring the gospel. There are many years already invested to language learning and preparing. The lenders are with them, partnered with them in this effort. We support these three families regularly, faithfully. We do that corporately. Some of you do that individually and hopefully are a part of supporting, praying, and knowing them better maybe more than you are. Other families we've helped send locally uh, are the Murphys, recently arrived in their place of the world that is desperate for the gospel, highly threatened in the location they're at. That's why we don't really disclose where these people are at. The Griffiths, old youth, a couple that was in my youth group, They weren't a couple when they first were in my youth group. Now they're married and children and have established a place to be spreading the gospel in an unreached people group as well. They're home on furlough right now. We might get to see them soon. These are gospel partners. Came out of our city or from my old youth group, yet not from our church. Not in this season. We've been faithful to send many missionaries in the long history of our church. We are hopeful that our disciple-making efforts here and now will mean a number of you will rise up to heed the call to go from this city, to invest your life to advance the gospel in another part of the world. I'm serious in that I want you to truly pray about this, about being prepared to be one of these that would be ready to go. 
seeking counsel from your elders to walk with you and evaluate this. I'm praying about this for my own children. Are you aware of that? That some of those that we might be discipling who would go will not fulfill any of the American dream. They won't make a lot of money. They might not even live through their 30s. Why? Because they went and they gave their lives to the gospel. That's so countercultural, church. And yet, if we're committed to our Lord Jesus and what he's called us to do at this time, then we're all in to the point where I'm, I'm actively praying, even of my own children, Lord, who might you be preparing that I would have a right grip and support if that's good for them to go, right for them to go, that they would go. I'm praying for you all. God might stir in many hearts a hunger to give up the comfort of America and go be a light of the life-changing gospel to those that God would save. That you too would go out for the sake of the name. 3 John 7. This was a call on Paul's life to be one of the first to go out and advance the gospel and plant churches in new regions. If you think about it, this church exists because of God's work through Paul. The beginning of the faithful spreading of the gospel to the nations of the world. As Paul opens his letter to the Romans, listen to his heart revealed in this conviction, his aim. Romans 1, 1 through 6. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, joyful slave, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. For the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. What does our obedience of faith produce? What's it for? It's for the sake of his name among all the nations. This is why Paul says he's alive, why he's saved, and what he's called to do. I'm here to tell you, Disciples Church, this is why we're here. This is what you and I are saved to do in this life, is make disciples. Some of which will go to the nations. We make disciples right here to be readied and equipped. If we are not among those who are going, the thing I want you to capture here today clearly is then therefore we are to be financially supporting holding up praying for loving those who do go this is john's next point verse 8 therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth 
Listen to just a few of many New Testament examples of how the church faithfully supported, sent, prayed for, cared for the missionaries as they went. Acts 15.3, being sent on their way by the church. They passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. Acts 21, 5 through 6, when our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city, kneeling down on the beach. We prayed and said farewell to one another. And we went on board the ship, and they returned home. So important that we do not treat missions as a separate ministry or group of the local church. It is our responsibility to participate in either the going ourselves or the sending and supporting of those who go. John says this is so we can be fellow workers for the truth. Fellow workers for the truth, co-laborers, gospel partners. This is an important role that we play in this life and time that God ordains to give us under the sun. Question 15 in the Word of Truth Catechism. Why did God make us? God made us to glorify Him. God made us to glorify Him so that His glory would be known and praised. Our mission as a church, Disciples Church, exists to glorify God through lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The ultimate reason why we live, why we do what we do, is for the name and fame of God. It's to make much of Him, to make Him known among the nations, among the generations. This is our God-given passion and purpose the question I have for you, Christian, specifically you today, who bear the name, is it yours? Is it your purpose for your days? Are we so sold out that God is better than anything else in this life or world that we're willing to give anything up to make much of his name? That's exactly what Jesus said about his followers describing his enduring disciples as those who leave houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for his namesake. Matthew 19, 29. Why does a Christian surrender such important things as siblings and parents and children and houses? The answer, the glory of God. Pastor John Piper says it well. Missions exist because worship of God doesn't. Where it doesn't is why missions exist. God has us here because he wants us to reach the unreached with the gospel, the people of foreign tongues and faraway tribes and nations, so that those whom God ordains will hear the gospel truth we proclaim, and they will know him and worship him. Have you ever wondered what kind of crazy is in a person who would uproot their family 
with little ones. You saw in those pictures little ones who would quit their career that they spent many years to prepare for, hundreds of thousands of dollars to be trained to do, selling their most prized possessions to pack simple bags to move to foreign jungles or deserts, lands where those people don't want them there to do what they came to do. It's not like they're celebrated when they show up. No, they have to move about in secret to gain a foothold in the community, to gain a knowledge of the language, to then preach the gospel and trust salvation in the Lord to do his work in his time. The reason why one would do this is a sold-out conviction for the glory of God and the fulfilling of his commissioning of the local church. It's for his glory. It's so others will join us in worshiping him, our brothers and sisters. God's purpose and passion, church, it cannot fail. Look with me again at the Great Commission and be reminded of these clarities. Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There's no one that can upset his plans unto perfect completion. How do we know that so solidly? Because all authority belongs to him. There's no authority that's going to upset him. Right? Who he wants to have, he will have. Amen? Not even Satan. Not even hell. Jesus said clearly, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. Understand this, worldwide missions is not just an evangelism effort, it is a church planting effort. It is God's way of claiming his elect from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Christ perfectly paid for the sins of God's elect and did not spill one drop of blood in vain. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Oh, how mistreated is this verse by some who perpetuate an Arminian gospel. Don't forget the context of this promise is written to you, to, to the church, to God's elect, all whom God has chosen to save. God doesn't have two wills. He doesn't really hope that all are saved, and then somehow he's out of control of that. No, no. All that he has chosen will be saved in his time. And if you're ever in those modes where you're like running out of patience, can we hurry this up? I would encourage you to celebrate and be reminded of the patience that God has extended towards you for you to be who you now are in Christ. Amen. Jesus speaks this in John 10, 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Why do we give up homes and families and careers and nice cars and give ourselves to disciple making to reach the nations? Because God will bring all of his sheep from every tribe and tongue and nation to saving faith because their ransom has already been paid for. 
by the costly blood of Christ. Because no house and no fast car and no boat or no vacation property or no kids' sports accomplishment or no book of the month club is why he saved us and why he's keeping us going. No, he's kept us here. He's saved us for the fulfillment of the Great Commission unto the glory of God. This is the call on our lives, to make disciples unto the nations. This is why, as a church, we worked really hard to not have many departments of ministries that just get everyone really busy doing a lot of church stuff. We're committed to the calendar. We're committed to the effort of disciple-making. If you want 1,800 choices of ministries to go be part of and circle the wagons and follow each other around the parking lot, this isn't the church for you. If you want to be serious about being discipled and making disciples, then join us. We're discipled so we can disciple others. And some of those will go to unreached people to disciple them so that they can disciple people beyond them. That disciple-making effort by God's will will equal new churches that are planted for the glory of God. And the salvation of our elect brothers and sisters in Christ that God will save, that we will celebrate at the Lord's table with forever in the new creation. Making disciples of all nations starts right here in this room. Among you. To be diligent, to be all in. You don't just come to Sunday worship to get a good sermon, be pumped up. It is to well up with worship for God, to mature in sanctification and all that he's doing in our lives, but it, it must be beyond us. It must go to work. That we would be diligent in our discipleship, making disciples. Some will be matured and ready to go out from us. Some will plant churches here in our own city or beyond, In our own country, some will be trained to go to unreached people groups around the world. We do this until God has saved all those that he's predestined to save, and the last member of his elect family is redeemed, and then will be done. How do we know that? Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The end won't come until he's known and praised among all the nations. He's clear about that. I get frustrated at people who want to overly focus on the end is near. The end is near. Surely we're in that time. You know what? The one in charge of that is not you. And he he knows perfectly when that's going to happen. So stop overly thinking on that and start doing the thing he commissioned you to do, which is to be discipled and make disciples. Because it ain't coming until they're all reached. That's what his word says. 
3 John 6-7. through You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name. Starts right here with you and me, church. Making disciples. We do this first by investing in the local church. By serving in this church. You don't accomplish this in some weird way by leaving the local church, starting in your own organization, or going rogue. No, this happens through the local church. Investing rightly, participating, being committed and accountable to the local church. Serving in this church. Giving of your first fruits faithfully, generously to this church. Because the local church is called by God to make disciples. And then when they're ready, they'll go. And they'll duplicate. And generations will multiply. We can't support and send those who are not ready and not willing to go. We can't skip the disciple making that's happening right here, right now. And this is how we stay faithful to the moment. This is why we don't lose heart, that there's not many families rising up, many individuals rising up to go. Why? Because disciple making takes time. Okay? Takes years. Jesus was the best at it. He took years to do it. Takes us years to do it. But it's worth it. It's been a joy to have like-minded brothers and sisters who are loving and faithful to the word like we are and the drollers, the lenders, the dykes to support them in the meantime. Maybe you're sitting here today like, I really don't know these people. I would commend you to grab one of their flyers in the lobby, to take it home, to make it a more central part of your home life, of your dining life, your prayer life, and to send an email to send encouragements, to be a blessing, to be ready to love them well when they're back on furlough, to know how to be more involved in these things. We will not be operating as a healthy church if we are not sending these on their journey in a manner worthy of God, if we are not supporting people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. There it is. And so I ask you to make it very personal today as we wind down. Are you faithfully invested and participating in this local church? It starts there. If not us, then then somewhere. Faithful to attend and to worship the Lord and to serve in this church and to give financially and to grow with us in Christ-likeness. Therefore, being discipled and supporting the making of disciples here at Disciples Church. In addition to your first fruits giving and serving here, are you financially, prayerfully, physically supporting those who are going? John says clearly, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. We will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Finally, are you open to the Lord's work in your own life to be trained and readied and consider what it might look like for you to go and help reach the nations with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm excited to see who this will be in the coming seasons of the life of our church. I'm excited to meet brothers and sisters who will be saved, who we will celebrate the King with forever. 
as a result. Amen? Pray with me. Lord, what a joy 